Ron West, we, we've known each other a very long time, and I think you know how I feel about people taking Shakespeare and being willful with it and changing it and adding new language. I, I, I know that you find that really annoying. I know that if you know of anybody that does that is you just hold their feet to the fire. And immediately put them on the podcast. <laughs> Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. Thanks for subscribing, streaming, or downloading and listening to us on your computer or tablet or phone. I'm Austin Titchener, one-third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast number 562, Reframing the Shrew. Ron West is an award-winning actor, playwright, and director who's written, among other things, The People vs. Friar Lawrence, and an adaptation of The Comedy of Errors that won a Jeff Award here in Chicago for Best Adaptation when Chicago Shakespeare Theater produced it in 2008. Well, Ron is back now at Chicago Shakes, having created a new framing device for Barbara Gaines' all-female production of The Taming of the Shrew. My wife, Dee Ryan, and I saw the first preview Saturday night and met up with Ron on a lovely couch in the Chicago Shakes lobby before the show, and since Dee and Ron have worked together for years at Second City and on Dee's solo show in L.A., they fell right back into their old rhythms. It's, it's got to have conflict to be interesting, exactly. right? Exactly right. <laughs> you know, otherwise, I mean, if people are just saying yes and having fun right. with each other, then there's no fun. There that's has to be conflict. That's why improv doesn't work. That's, that's why right. improv that's right. doesn't work. Shut up. See, immediately it was See, better. <laughs> you improved it so quickly. That's because you're a woman. Oh, that's, why that's old school. Well, then you are the per- perfect person to be rewriting, reframing Shakespeare's Taming of the Shrew, a famously or at least recently complicated play. What have you? What are you doing to it? With it? Excuse me. With it here uh, at Chicago Shakespeare. A, uh, a, a woman comes out and says uh, they're making us do this play, which is a line I wrote. And then the I like that line. Play. Very good. And then after the play is over, <laughs> um, another uh, woman comes out and said, "Ron made us do this." <laughs> and then that's it. What? I wrote two lines. That is, and that works. That structure works. See, there's a structure that works. Yeah. And that's that, called book ending. <laughs> book ending. Top, topping and tailing. You, you want to call it that, you're sure. Topping and tailing Shakespeare. Yeah, a lot of people have a lot of different terms for a lot of different things. So. Now, I happen to know one of the actors in the show, and she says it's slightly more um, uh, involved than that. You've created a, a framing device with a women's, women's auxiliary club of 1919. That's right, and they're... Uh, they, you know, they're like a theatrical club, and they, some of them are involved in the suffrage movement, and some of them are not. And uh, various issues come into various issues come into play. How did it come about? Did a Barbara approach Barbara you? Approached me and said, "Could you do something with this uh, this suffrage movement?" And I said, "Okay." <laughs> and, and and did you say, "Yeah, you know what would be great is that we'll do a production of Shaming the Shrew around it"? No, no, she wanted to do Taming the Shrew to begin with, so it's all you know sparked by her. Um, but then, like, the very first meeting, I said, well, maybe there could be this character and maybe there could be that character, so. So is it a way, is it a way of trying to soften the gender politics of Taming of the Shrew? Because it's an all-female cast as well, right? Um, I guess, you know, and I didn't, I didn't really think about softening anything. Okay. You know, I just kind of... Why would that be softening? I well, people, people, be... people get very concerned about Taming of the Shrew because right. Petruchio treats Kate very badly. Yeah. What's your opinion on that? You're a woman. <laughs> <laughs> 
I am the only woman here. I mean, they're all on the stage. Um, what is my thought on that? Well, I've gone on record in, in, uh, in uh, on the We Got This podcast as saying. I noticed he cut you off when we th- I threw the ball. Because I saw, I saw her looking in the eye going, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? So to fill that moment while you're thinking about what you're going to say, I'm going to say. <laughs> uh, what did you say? Mansplaining? Yes, I'm mansplaining. Um, uh, uh, I have gone on record as saying that I've married a woman who 400 years ago would have been called a shrew because you are a... It would have been burnt for, as a witch. <laughs> burnt as... Yeah. yeah. It, I, I wouldn't have lasted very so long. So it's clear that I have a type. So I, I've always liked Taming of the Shrew because I think it feels like Petruchio and Kate are really made for each other. Right. So, I mean, they deserve each other. Right. So I don't find the play as problematic as other people do. So what do you think about... I, I agree. I think yeah. that they're they're the perfect couple, that they, yeah. they find true love. Yeah. Rather than he comes there to just marry wealthily, right? Yeah, they, and beat the shit out of her. You know. Yeah. But what do you do? I'm interested to see how that's you're going to play it today. Um, well, uh, I agree with you. I think it's about true love. The last speech is kind of problematic, and there's a thing about that in the show. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. It's not just you. You put uh, Petruchio puts his no. Kate puts her foot on Petruchio's neck. We, you know, we've uh, we've experimented with a lot of things in it, so. Yeah. We're gonna see. Well, and we're here on the. Can, I ask you, can you hear this music in the background? You can yeah. hear that. Okay. And what is it about Renaissance? Um, uh oh, these phone. Why don't you take your phone call? So unprofessional. We're here at a professional studio in the lobby of the Chicago Shakespeare Theater. I just want to say this is just kind of a bit I do all the time, but. What is it about movies about the Renaissance, like when they're getting ready to dance and stuff? And and this is the this is the tune that they use, okay? There's one tune. There's one tune. I promise you when I do this, you're going to go, you're right, that's what they do. <laughs> and then they like... And they, like, dance around in a circle like that. That's, like, the big hit of 1502. I think, I don't know. Well, there was one hit. Talk about one hit wonder. That was the, the, but that's so funny. I'm going to, that should be the new theme music for the Reduce Shakespeare Company podcast. Oh, that's a great idea. They just get, you, yeah, go ahead. The Ron West rendition. You you work it up on something. Yeah, just, maybe just have what I just did and just use that. Sure. (laughs) Did you have have music in uh, your new play? in uh, London? We did have one we do have one song because uh, in Shakespeare's uh, first play um, he depicts Richard III as a really nice guy as he maybe apparently was in real life Shakespeare didn't realize as a young playwright that if he makes um, the ancestors of Queen Elizabeth's rival a nice guy that's not going to play so well to the Elizabethan court, so she he rewrites it. But in our version, he's a super nice guy, and he sings a song on the ukul- with the ukulele because if he cannot prove a lover, he's determined to prove a vaudevillian. Oh, great! Yeah, yeah. So we have a little a lot song. of research on uh, Richard the Third. I'm working on a kind of working on, on a musical about that. So I'll, I'll, I'll try to forget what you just told me. <laughs> okay, um, good. But, but, I'll be happy to work on it with you. But I read, you know, I read this thing about, you know, uh, uh, about you know, why he might have taken some of the actions that he took. And it has to do with the fact that uh, his brother Edward, who, uh, you know, like all the kings of England, couldn't keep it in his pants. And um, he, uh, uh, Edward apparently was betrothed, which was tantamount to being married, to another woman before 
uh, the woman that gave birth to the crown prince and the Duke of York. Right. So what that means is, is that uh, by the law of the time, those two kids that supposedly he killed in the tower right. were not legitimate heirs. Anyway. And so, well, he, um, whether he disposed of them or not is, is up, still up for grabs, but the reason that he said, I'm the king now, is because he legally was the only legitimate heir. Was the king. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It w- he he said it was legitimate, and it was legitimate. I mean, in the way that Henry V claimed that that section of France was le- was his, and right, it may or may not have been. That's a funny part of that Brana movie, when, when they're like, yeah. give me a justification for invading France, and the guys who are the scholars and the monks are like... <laughs> the scrolls. The scrolls. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you do this, there's your legal justification. Sold. <laughs> Done. That's enough. Um, but getting back to Taming of the Shrew, this is not the first time that you've worked with Barbara Gaines in this sort of capacity, right? What else have you done with her? We did uh, the uh, Comedy of Errors together now nine years ago. And, uh, um, well, we also and did... What was for, the concept of that? Because that, that had was, really they fun... Sh- that was, they were shooting... Um, uh, they, they were shooting a film of the Comedy of Errors during the Battle of Britain. Oh, neat. Yeah, it was really fun. It was really fun. Oh, very cool. Is that going off again, Dee? It is. You, D, you have never been as popular as you are right now at this moment where we're trying to record a thing. I, you know what? I'm, I'm kind of glad for this couch. It's like talk shows of the old days it where really the is. where the guests would stay and have yeah. fun with That's each right. other. Now right. it's like it's only it, can't, it, it, no. is, it, is it like it is a problem to I shoot? Know. I know you've got a I know you've got a plane to catch. Oh. <laughs> How are you, my Good. And now we're joined by Rick Boynton, who the, pro- the producing creative person here at the, at the Chicago Shakespeare Festival. What do you think? We're here for first preview of Taming of the Shrew. What do we need to know? You're in for a ride, right, Ron? It's first preview, man. I have notes for all of you about how to sell this show. It's like, it's a, it's a, a new, like, the framework is, he's a funny man. He is. He's a really funny man. He's a great writer. And you know what? And like, and and doing and writing around Shakespeare is kind of like building a condo on an ancient Indian burial ground. <laughs> so it's like, and he's my condo man. <laughs> That's a great way to do it. Hello, I'm Adrian Scarborough, and you're listening to the Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. Where can you RSC the RSC? Our two-week run of the complete works of William Shakespeare, abridged, revised, begins this week in Hong Kong, followed by two weeks of performances in Singapore. Also, our U.S. fall tour of all the great books abridged, William Shakespeare's Long Lost First Play abridged, and the ultimate Christmas show abridged continues with performances in West Long Branch, New Jersey, Aiken, South Carolina, Davis, California, Laramie, Wyoming, Asheville, North Carolina, Maryville, Tennessee, Somerville, New Jersey, San Jose, California, Algona, Iowa, Reston, Virginia, and La Mirada, California. Our new book, Pop-Up Shakespeare, is on sale in the UK and Australia and available for pre-order here in the States via Amazon and all the usual online outlets. Next winter, we'll be performing William Shakespeare's long-lost first play abridged off-Broadway at the New Victory Theater in New York City. And a year from now, we'll return to the Pittsburgh Public Theater to close out their season with our production of William Shakespeare's long-lost first play abridged. As always, the very best way to stay up to date about all of our worldwide performance dates is to sign up for the Reduced Reader, our email newsletter. Go to ReducedShakespeare.com and click on the link to subscribe and check out our touring page for specific box office venue and ticket information. 
And now back to Dee Ryans and my conversation with Ron West, the author of the new framing material for Barbara Gaines' Chicago Shakespeare Theater Productions of Taming of the Shrew. Dee had just asked Ron how long the show was going to run. You mean like the like on the calendar or how many hours and minutes? How many hours and minutes? Um, I don't really know. I think I think it'll be over two hours. I think it'll be like two twenty. Two twenty. That's well, wait a minute. I mean, two twenty. Two twenty is optimistic a about a Shakespeare play, particularly when the new framing section. Be two more like two forty. I don't know. <laughs> two forty. Is that really? Do you have, do you like turn into a pumpkin at a certain time? I yeah. I'm old and I get tired and I'm like you know you should do Shakespeare within <laughs> an hour and a half. That's what they do. Uh, oh well, that's because, <laughs> that's because he's cutting corners. Did you know that? What? Yeah. <laughs> Never. He's cutting corners. Listen, the, the cutting those corners got us that house in Glencoe. <laughs> <laughs> So, so, um, but you were talking about uh, when we were during commercial. You were talking about this new thing that you're working on, Delirious. Uh, Delirious is is a musical about King Lear that uh, we wrote. Oh, now almost probably ten years ago, and we did it once before in LA and had a lot of fun. So uh, they asked me to revive it. So, um, but before it was Phil and I both played ourselves in it. But I'm going to have somebody else play us this time. I think I might just change their names and use the actors' names. Right. What's the conceit? King Lear, well, what's the conceit? Um, Ron and Phil are trying to write a musical. (laughs) Okay. Uh, But uh, King James and Shakespeare are trying to write King Lear. King James gets tired of working with Shakespeare and puts him on the Bible. And uh, hilarity ensues. That sounds great. Well, the, the, I mean, you're, you, you have done you have done the same deep dive that I've been doing, which is into Shakespeare a lot. What is it about Shakespeare aside from the fact <clears throat> that he's in the public domain and people can mess with him? Oh well, that's a good question. Uh, well, you know, in some cases, it's just like it's just a gig. So, right. you know, you know, right. would you do this? Uh, are you gonna but pay? A, are you gonna pay for the me to get there? Yeah. Okay, I'll do it. <laughs> but it's a gig you enjoy. Yeah. 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 Um, I think you know. Uh, well, here's an interesting thing: is in this one scene in Romeo and Juliet, and I'm no Shakespeare scholar or something, but in this one scene in Romeo and Juliet, there are like several like phrases that we use all the time. So a lot of times that's just you know as a writer it's just fun to mess around with those. Like one of the phrases in this it's a Mercutio scene and one of them is uh, give them the slip. Let's give her the slip or something like that. But there's two others there that we're like, what? This is all in the same scene? Right, right. You know. It's every school child since that play has come out has had to learn that speech. Okay. That's, that's right. Do you think? Do you consider yourself a, um, a Shakespeare feminist? Because that play, Romeo and Juliet, is has a sort of sh- a feminist take too. I'm, I'm going to offer this about that. Um, when the folio came out, Shakespeare was dead. They had some prompt books. Every production I've seen of Julius Caesar is the exact same text, and uh, I think they had a good prompt book on that one. But some right. of the other ones they didn't. And so the guys that put it together had to like go to, um, you know, the actors and say, you know, what did you say here? Now, who were the actors that were most likely to have still been living when they put the folio together? The teenage boys who had played the women who were now young adults. Mm-hmm. So, I think that the women's parts in Shakespeare are more accurate because those 
men could remember those parts, whereas some of the big speeches of like Lear and etc. are like they look cobbled together right. and there's all kinds of different versions of them yep. because they just didn't, they could never really go to the source. So oh, I, that's, that's really interesting. That is really interesting and that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm doing, I'm doing the play Book of Will, the, the North Light, uh, this fall. Book of Will is about um, the creation of the first folio. John Hemmings and Henry Conville put, uh -huh, it, put sure. it together. It's a very funny comedy, and I'm playing Richard Burbage. Oh, great. Um, and I play Burbage. I played Burbage in uh, Delirious, because everybody has to play two parts. So <laughs> I played, I played uh, Ron, I played Lear, and I played for two lines Burbage. So we need to have dueling Burbages at some point. Um, my, my Burbage is um, like me if I was Burbage. That's, <laughs> that's, that's how I do Burbage. Wow, how do you do Burbage? Very I do, well, you, I do well, you. you. I do Burbage as you doing Burbage. That's what's bizarre. <laughs> I think it's very good, though. I think my Burbage is actually better than your Burbage. I, I, you know what? You're wrong. See, and then we have conflict. <laughs> we have conflict, and then there's a scene. That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. The Chicago Shakespeare Theater production of The Taming of the Shrew is in previews now and runs till November 12, 2017. Go to chicagoshakes.com for more information. Then send us your framing devices via email to feedback at reducedshakespeare.com. You can also engage with us and other fans on Facebook or Twitter. You can find easy links to all these social networks at our website, reducedshakespeare.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Austin Titchener and Chicago Shakespeare at Chicago Shakes. Thanks as always to one twin shy of a Dromeo Matthew Croak, web services by Ginger Power Limited, music by John Weber and Garage Band. Our random fan shout out this week goes to Edward Goodchild. No reason, it's just random. Special thanks to Chicago Shakespeare Theater's creative producer Rick Boynton, who was dragged against his will into our conversation. Special thanks also to Adrian Scarborough, who played the fool to Simon Russell Beale's King Lear at the National Theater in London, and the valet to Patrick Stewart on the short-lived series Blunt Talk. And finally, thanks very much to you for listening. I'm Austin Titchener, 562-1686 of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. And we've come full circle and we can be done. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is a production of the Reduce Shakespeare Company. Reducing expectations since 1981. Go to ReduceShakespeare.com for performance dates, actor bios, email newsletters, and so much less. And so much less. And so much less. And so much less. And so much less.